now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Michael Andre Ford, author, angel intuitive, who helps people hear and see angels, guides, passed over loved ones, and pets. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today and welcome. Jeff, thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it. So let's start here. How did you get this ability to connect people with angels in the first place? Uh, great question. And I wish I could say I've wanted to do it all my life. But to be honest, um, I probably skipped half my Plato reading back at Middlebury College. I had Oprah as a Baltimore newscaster when I lived on the East Coast in Annapolis. She was my Baltimore newscaster back in uh her skinnier days. And I, I probably didn't watch any Super Soul Sunday. So I would fail on all the proper reading, the things you're supposed to do to be spiritual. And I did have a bunch of events happen in 2010 and on that kind of popped me out of thinking and into my heart. So I picked some picked up skills, which then I turn around and help others do for themselves. So I help people be in their heart so they can do their own listening, seeing, feeling. But in the 70s, I grew up on the East Coast. I've had two parents pass over. My dad was a Navy fighter pilot. He passed in 1970 off the coast of Italy when I was two. And it was his time to go, young, 25 or so, just had his birthday. Um, he was put into Arlington in 1998. And then my mom passed in like 1992 when I was turning 23. I was on Wall Street for a couple of years, then public relations. I was great at public relations PR. I put people in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and so on. And it's kind of what I do today. I've got an expert on one side and then a journalist on the other, and I connected the two. And they did their own kind of matchmaking. They did their own magic. And that's what I do today. It turns out it's very ironic. Um, I help an individual, whether they believe in spirituality or any of that stuff, I help them just settle down into their heart to do their own listening. And they get to meet full-on unconditional love figures, whether it's Buddha, angels, Thich Nhat Hanh, and so on. But if they can own that part, they can also meet their relatives. So call it pulling back the veil if you wish, but it's whatever you call getting out of the brain and just into the heart to do basic listening, feeling, seeing, and so on. Now, you mentioned that you had a couple of events or something that kind of pushed you into this direction or opened something up for you. Can you be a little bit more specific about what actually happened to you? Sure. My career path, again, public relations, but with uh, 9-11, I went in-house to companies. I had my own PR agency, um, and so it was law firms. And I was the last in-house position was at Weill Gottschall in New York, which is a global law firm, a billion dollars in revenue back in like around the time of the Lehman crisis, 2007, 2008, stuff like that. Um, I had an hour's notice with 72 others on a layoff, and I think I was the only one excited. I bought a home in Austin, Texas. I was in New York forever. Um, and it gave me my excuse to get out of New York. I've said this on some other shows where I, I was a little bit like Kurt Russell escaped from New York. I just, I wanted out of New York. It was a lot of concrete. I'd already lived there in the eighties for four more years on governor's Island. And that was my chance to, to get out of there. And it was a, still a shock. I think anyone who's lost a job or been fired or anything else knows it can kind of jar the psyche a little bit. You're kind of like, hey, what's up in life? And I had a couple other uh, situations, a relationship blow up and something else that all three of them, if, if, if you don't mind me putting it this way, popped me out of thinking. 
It, it forced a re-examination of what's going on up here. And then I started hearing, feeling, and seeing, but I'm the least likely candidate for this in one sense. I wasn't your astute student who then at 3.30 in the morning getting nudged like some kahuna in Hawaii jumps to it and says, yeah, let's get the show started and let's do some meeting angels, unconditional love figures, and so on. I'd roll over in bed. My cat would go out to the living room. And uh, even if I went out to the living room, I'd put on MTV or an old black and white. I pretty much did anything I could to not pay attention. And yet I still got my ears boxed, so to speak, and uh, learned that there's a little bit more around us and in us than thinking. So I think that was the big lesson at that stage was just, hey, thinking is not the end all be all. I think we all know that. Thinking tends to leave us a little unhappy. Thinking doesn't mow the lawn. It doesn't give a hug. Actually giving the hug to your dog or your wife or your sister is the action. And our heart does that. Now, some of our thinking's down in our heart. I don't want to bash thinking. We're going to be doing thinking forevermore. But um, what I help people do is get out of thinking long enough to connect to the universe with no barriers, which is a really big concept. And a lot of mini miracles happen in the sense like colorblind people see color and so on, but you literally can get any answers to any questions. All language is spoken. So I really feel like I'm off the hook on this because it's such a direct experience, but it's a lot to grasp for the audience. And so we're going to have to explore that a little. Can you run us through the very first time that you yourself saw an angel? What happened? The very first angel I help people meet is named Joy. And she's the very first one that I saw. So I was just going to back up a little on that. Um, So Joy is this angel that's kind of the ambassador communicator holds the space. So I'm in my living room and just I'm very Disney-esque in how I approach stuff. Um, Very lighthearted, I hope. I might sound serious right now, so forgive me. Uh, But I'm in my living room. This is Austin, Texas. It's probably 2010, 2011, somewhere in there. And just picture a living room set up. And I saw this Roman candle of pink light whoosh out of the ground and through the ceiling. It was like a foot and a half wide. And I mean, I didn't run out of the house. I should have, and I should have screamed, but it was a pleasant experience. It was pretty pink light, big whoosh. And then a second later, she showed up again and did the same thing about a foot and a half over and another big whoosh. And, you know, I know my jaw dropped and I know I heard like kind of a ta-da, hi, I'm Joy. And I, I can tell you from meeting other angels that there's certainly a lot of humor. And uh, the very first time you get an introduction for some of the angels, they don't mind making a splash. I think if I was in their shoes, I'd probably do the same thing. Um, why wouldn't you? I'm, I'm, you know, the glass is full and overflowing type of guy. So I, I could see that being a good idea. I just find through my experience of, of talking to guests that a lot of times, it's obviously not always, but a lot of times at some point in their life, a person had some type of spiritual awakening or spiritual crisis or injury or something that was a catalyst to, to put all this in motion. So I was trying to see if there was something in your life that was that catalyst that put all this in motion for you. Well, I was sick a lot as a kid. I had strep, but I was in that 1% club before they declared uh, getting your tonsils out was not necessary. I think I was the case study at the Bethesda Naval Hospital. I grew up in DC at one point. And so with the Navy dad who passed away, it was Navy care. Um, But I mean, I was sick all the time. So uh, I remember being laid up, a lot of pain, stuff like that. Um, also didn't grow till maybe 11th grade. So I was always the smallest kid at Andover, 90 pounds till 11th grade, 
They grabbed me as a coxswain for crew. Um, and I had little stuff happen. Uh, I could throw doubles. I'd call it in a backgammon game. I remember an internship at Middlebury. I walk into the ad agency. I'm there for less than an, an hour. And it's over these falls in the center of Middlebury, Vermont. And I just asked, hey, do you guys ever, ever have any ghosts here? Now, it's not like I was ever seeing ghosts, but I've always kind of paid attention to that. I thought it was interesting. And the whole place stopped. The owner pulled me aside. And he's like, hey, did you see anything? And it turns out they had had an exorcism there like a week earlier. So everyone was on pins and needles. So there were little things that were happening. But I mean, I'll give you one quick other reason why I moved to Austin or why I bought the home first. I was getting off a plane, just another law firm, big one in Texas was taking me around to their offices. And this is like 2003. So nothing's really happened. I'd had a relationship where the person was intuitive. You know, she did all sorts of stuff. I got goosebumps but I couldn't comprehend it. And I think that's the best way to, for me to put it in the seventies and eighties and nineties. I just couldn't get it. I didn't understand any of it, Um, but I didn't doubt her. I got off the plane and a little voice just said, one day you'll be moving here. And it sounded like my voice. And I did what I do for a lot of that. Just shoved it aside. I think we all do. And I didn't pay attention, Um, but a chance came to buy some property and I found a home. And then uh, with the layoff, that was my chance to jump at it. And things really unfolded after that. Uh, again, 2010, 2011 and on. And I grabbed a camera as a security blanket and started snapping away first out of panic. Um, but balls of light in my living room, almost like a celebration for me, even just allowing for the possibility that there could be more than just this thinking. Um, so lots of different shapes, lots of different photos, lots of different colors. People use that as a prop for their own letting go just to dip their toe into the pool of possibility here. And then later you can just see full on with your eyes. So I know the photos are nice. I know having a photo of a fairy is amazing. Um, But if you can just see with your own eyes too, a bunch of different ways um, that starts to put this all into even a bigger perspective. So you are sitting in your living room and joy, which I'm assuming is the name of the angel just popped out from the ground and introduced herself to you that day. Yeah. I was standing in my living room and I remember, uh, uh, just a big Roman candle, pink whoosh. I felt like I was more like a character out of uh, that animated, uh, what's the Scrooge movie, A Christmas Carol. And so it was very Christmas Carol-ish. I think that's such a great metaphor for all of us. You know, we think Scrooge is kind of a jerk, so no one wants to be labeled Scrooge, but we forget that 79 pages later in the book or in the movie, um, what, an hour and a half later, uh, he's the nicest guy in the world. He's also a great business person, joy, joy bringer. He's in his heart. And so... I know this is going to sound like a lot of woo-woo, a lot of spiritual, a lot of everything else, but I just describe this as getting to your heart, and it's acknowledging all the times that you do it during the normal course of your day, but um, it's far easier than people realize to just do the letting go. You know, Artists kind of know it. Athletes know it. If you do yoga and you're in the flow, you definitely know it. Musicians. But I don't, I'm not sure that we view all moments the same way and can carry that simplicity or that technique, or the permission to let go from the athletic field to just everyday life. You're not going to let go all the time. That's somebody who's going to be too happy. I don't know any neighbors that are like that. So, How did that experience change you? Uh, look, it forced me to take, uh, take all of this a bit more seriously, a lot of slowing down, maybe paying attention 
2% more. <laughs> it took, I'm, I'm, like I said, I think Jeff, if it was you in my shoes, you would have uh, been much quicker about it. So would most people. Um, I think most adults are very sharp. Um, I'm not dumb by any means. Um, I'm definitely a little like this six months for me to figure something out that everyone else gets done in 10 minutes. Uh, I taught myself algebra in like seventh grade to calculus in ninth grade. I'm not dumb. It's just um, my absorption level can be super slow in the uptake, but I'm so quick at helping people release whatever you want to call how they're rolling up here, just long enough to get out of their own way and to have a direct experience with the universe where the universe does its job. You're getting full on answers. I don't see the questions or answers. So you just get details, unbelievable details. I mean, if you don't mind one quick tangent, that's the scientific community. Imagine what happens, and maybe this is still 20 years, 10 years out. Uh, scientists just allow for getting any answers to any questions. They're going to shove me out of the way as fast as possible and just want to get their answers. You know, yeah, we're going to shave a couple of years off of someone's research, but a typical scientist is just going to fill it up with more, more research in a new area or continued research. So it's my hope that people ask, uh, hey, where should I go on vacation? And get a great answer. I'm very happy-go-lucky and light about this. So your first angel was joy. And then how did it lead to more angels and other other spiritual beings? Yeah. Over time, another angel would come in. I'd get another sort of introduction. Um, um, very much like a kid in a candy store every time that happened. Um, I can remember at a department store, I was helping an India family uh, meet like angels and an India figure just ran into a group. Somehow we started a conversation, but they pulled away. And then I felt de dejected and I'm like, Oh, why do I put myself out there? Uh, and I'll go on one more quick tangent. I was at a bookstore one time and I'll get pinged on folks who need help, but I'm, I'm in the middle of looking for a book and you know, I'm human like the next person. So I actually shift dials first <laughs> to avoid helping or talking with the person. And then they move to my aisle. And I've found that I usually get three shots at helping someone. So I'll run into them in the parking lot as I'm leaving the bookstore. And then I've warmed up to the idea of giving some assistance because I'm technically psychic. But my view on this is if I tell you anything, I'm getting in the way of the concept of you doing your own listening, you owning your own internal pre-existing Jedi skills. And so um, I helped that woman in the bookstore that day and it was, it was fun. Um, she gave me a big hug afterwards. But back to the department store thing, the India family walked away and the weirdest thing happened. Another India family came along. And in that moment, I was helping them. They full on did everything. They made, uh, made me look like a chump in terms of my skills. And that's what always amazes me is that every other person just takes to it. They can go ahead and get full on seeing done at the end. Baby steps to just test out all your electricity, your plumbing. You know, you've got to trust that the voice that you're hearing is actually whoever the figure is, a Geronimo, a Muhammad, a Mary, a Jesus, uh, you know, an angel. Um, so they got done, but four more India figures all tumbled in at once. And, you know, they're big names. So I would have thought, just because I'm a regular Joe in society, that if it's uh, Vishnu, Krishna, Ganesh, and Lakshmi, that would somehow have to be measured out over years. And it all happened at once. And I... I don't know why India would be my bailiwick. Same thing with Native American chiefs. Uh, I don't look like I'm from India and I don't look like I'm from, you know, Native American background, but I also don't think that matters. This is to me just about unconditional love, about being uh, all that philosophy stuff, Shakespeare to be or not to be, or Eckhart Tolle or name, name whatever we consider on the, you know, the wellness 
uh, spiritual landscape. It's just being in your heart and allowing the universe to do its job. There are light beings and uh, just a smattering of figures that are, are very interesting. In the beginning, was it that angels would just spontaneously contact you and then now it it appears that it, this has evolved into you being able to contact angels at will? I would say about angels, I mean, look, they live inside you, around you, however you want to say it. But um, I can say one way what I do, which is I do trans-dimensional channeling so you get a multi-dimensional experience. I'd like to say I don't do anything. I get sleepy afterwards. I hold the space for a person to drop out of their head into their heart. And back in the day, you were asking about, you know, how this kind of all came about. Look, back then I was digging my heels in. I was super slow in the uptake. And uh, I would have little experiences that gradually got me more and more comfortable with this entire concept. So uh, again, I was grabbing a camera. I'd grab a camera, but if I danced, played ball with my dog, or did anything where I lightened up a little bit, just loosened up, I'd get more balls of light showing up and I'd feel better. So you, uh, oh, here, I went trail running one day, it probably was 2011, that summer in Austin, where it was 100 days of 100 degrees or more, hot, 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 no rain for 100 days. And I went trail running and I was exhausted. It's three o'clock in the afternoon, I fell asleep, middle of a king size bed an orange cat named Macy's on my chest. Now she never slept up there, but I was kind of asking, Hey, it'd be awesome to wake up with that cat slumped right there, having a kind of kitty moment, if you like cats. And um, I remember waking up and looking and saying, Oh my God, she's still here. She's only done that like once before the entire time I had her. And my eyes went up and three feet above me. It was, it turns out it was my guardian angel. I saw a ball light. It was every form movement of water all at once. It defied all logic. I saw wave action one way i saw swirling another and like a bunch of other movements of water that was my comprehension of it and so it was my guardian angel and uh i have a great photo of her which we can show on the show later it's on my website and elsewhere but it's an actual silhouette of an angel um her first name is min like minnesota it's the lakota sioux word for water she's literally light waves of energy and water when people go to see her full on if it's a community fountain she kind of looks like a Pacific princess. I don't really try to predict how she's going to show. So you get a full-on view. And I, and I love what I do for folks because in a way, I step out of the way. While I've had thousands of experiences snapped away, in a way, none of my details matter to help a person let go, to accept their own life story, where they're at, and to get a little help and to get out of any place that they think that they're stuck or if we're talking something else, if they just need a little more kick in the butt, a little more motivation, a little more creativity, they get what they need. So it's full on answers in their in the way that they need to hear it. Forget about all those languages, Swahili, Japanese, you know, if you're from Japan, you get it that way. You also hear it the way you need to hear it. So there's no privacy, but you're not getting judged. It's just a lot of love. So it sounds like to me, you're just basically a conduit that helps connect people with their guides, angels, etc. Yes. I, and what's fun is if a bunch of people have owned it and uh, are, you know, at least comfortable with each other, they can have a group experience after that. What will you allow for? I mean, if we turned on every satellite and did some angel photos and everyone in the world was somehow inclined to want to just do a little more love in the moment, I think we could probably get mankind done in three hours flat. But I, you know, I wouldn't want to impose. And I also think it's closer to maybe 20 to 30 years or 15 years before folks are going to be like, oh, wow, 
instead of my problem is, it could be about a job, career, health, this situation, that situation, feeling stuck. It's just hit a button and get some answers in an unconditional love, supportive way with amazing, breathtaking detail. And then what happens? You realize, holy cow, this entire time I've had a lot of thinking that's been limiting me. And I'm not trying to bash thinking again. We're all doing it. We're going to do tons of it. We're going to slap labels on everyone else. There's tons of complex situations and complex people out there. But I guess one of my core messages for folks is where you put your focus is where you put your focus. If you can lighten up just a little about whatever situation we're talking about, it's, it's going to pay out for you. Do you think a person has to be in a certain mindset or a certain, um, you know, energy to be able to see their angels or even the most difficult skeptic can still see them? I definitely think there's some figures running around on the world stage that are, uh, you know, bent on trying to disprove the concept. There's others who are running around who might have written books on angels that are, are the opposite. They're running around looking for the proof. And this is kind of beyond that concept altogether. If you'll just allow with a capital A, get to your heart. If you can really allow, it's a private experience. So I'm not going to try to judge some of those folks out there. I think, I think it could be hard for them. Uh, absolutely. It's, it, it's kind of the law of attraction thing or it's the vibrational thing. I mean, you've got to let go. You have to be able to get out of the brain and get into the heart. But that's why I tell dad jokes. If you can laugh at a dad joke, that's the degree of difficulty. I know the way we're talking right now, we're suggesting that angels could exist or a light being named Grace um, or Seth from the 1970s. If anybody remembers the, one of those new age you know, books, um, The Nature of Reality, I think it was Jane Roberts, right? Um, you can meet Seth. Uh, this is a lot to take in, but the degree of difficulty here, because we're talking such phenomenal double entendre stuff, we think it's like an Olympic diving platform, you know, the 30 meter one, that's such a big deal or, or Acapulco, them jumping off the cliff. And I'm going to argue that the leap of faith or the letting go and, you know, faith, religious, non-religious to me, same difference. If you're letting go, you're letting go. It's, I'm going to argue it's this big or it's this big, the distance, because you got to go from here to here. And I think that's, what's beautiful about this. So many of those spiritual authors or non-spiritual self-help authors or philosophy or religion, that's where it all intersects. And, um, you know, even our movies. Uh, I think we were talking Star Wars before the show. Um, I love the force from Star Wars. I can do Yoda's voice. I do it to crack people up. If they get stuck, if I do Yoda's voice and you start laughing because Mike's just being, or Michael's being ridiculous, um, I help you lighten up to allow for the experience. So we're getting back to the original point. Yes, anybody could be doing it, but some people are going to require like a life crisis or faced with a 50-50 situation. You know, you're, you might be checking out. So, and a lot of people will cry or yawn a lot as this starts to happen. They're feeling waves of compassion. They're letting go. Um, the crying's not because I told a bad dad joke and they're not in pain. It's just, they've been carrying, we'll call it Samsonite luggage wagon train. You know, if I'm Joan and I was divorced seven years ago, but I've been talking about Henry, my ex for seven years, holding on, he's such a jerk. And, you know, when it comes time to finally get over the fence of the divorce, it's kind of, is the word cathartic? I don't usually say that, but that's what I'm getting. Um, it's a letting go and it's big and it's going to be a big moment for you personally. And you're probably going to ball or yawn or some combination thereof. And, you know, this is how you get unstuck. It's, I love that Wayne Dyer comment, but I think it's someone else from further back. If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change or just broadening your perspective, 
helps you get out of the consciousness that says my problem is I've got this divorce from last week, two years ago, and you're suffering to a broader consciousness that allows for an actual win to come in that gets you over that. Now you're going to just get another problem next week. Um, Welcome to being human, ebb and flow. Besides telling dad jokes, what other ways do you get a person to let go? Great question. Can you even give us some tips for ourselves how to let go so we can see angels, guides, etc.? Sure. Now I call it like 70 little baby steps, but, but with one action, sometimes you can check off 13 baby steps in one moment. Um, I always start with uh, blowing a little bit of sage. Like I literally have done this on some shows, uh, like an Australian broadcast duo Two, and I mispronounce everything. So I was saying Brisbane and I know it's Brisbane, Australia. So I blew sage smoke to them, lit it, blew it and on the show they could smell it i did it for a melbourne uh, australia podcast host but i wasn't on a show and i did did it for a new zealand healer who wrote me up in an online magazine article brains it's a swedish publication but she's in new zealand and it's on my website so that's earth shattering because you're blowing smoke through two screens now we happen to be in the same city but picture you're somewhere else and you smell it and so uh, fast forwarding a little later after you ditch me You've got all the skills. You just blew out all your intuitive skills or just call it your basic skills. We, we trust that we can smell. And I think all of us have at least once caught a whiff of something to trigger a memory, our favorite ocean, a perfume, our mother's cooking, but our mother's been passed over for 20 years. There's always been at least one of those moments, I would argue, for everybody. You can ask an angel to bring it in and it could be a perfume that hasn't been invented yet that rocks your boat. So there's no, I teach no limits and you can smell that favorite beach in Hawaii, even though you're in Kansas and an angel brings it in. So yeah, getting all your answers is really nice, but this is way beyond that. You get hugs and you feel hugs, but there's a million different types of hugs. It starts and back to the baby stepping, I blow the sage through and then I show your energy. I think Celestine prophecy does it this way in the movie. I think that's James Redfield to give him full credit there, but in India, they do it this way. And not everybody in India is going to know. India is like 40 countries. It's so big. But at least two of those little countries um, inside, they do it this way. You see a flow of energy, your light, the force between your fingers. But I teach to start seeing it on trees, your dog. You can start seeing consciousness flow. If you're at a major department store, put your hand out. Each of you have owned it individually. You can see the light flowing between you, but then back up, back up, back up, back up, back up. I used to do that with just feeling it and not seeing it. And this is just continually expanded over 10 years. You can see that light flowing. You can take your finger and have an angel come in, not just your own light, but an angel can, you can see light. You can see butterflies all around you made by angels. And to give you a quick war story here, that poor cat Macy passed away. I forget when 2016, 2014, I was crushed. And I was in my first Austin home in Northwest Austin. I'm looking out the window. It's April in Austin, and I've forgotten how fireflies work. It's before fireflies are even out. But I see yellow fireflies or golden fireflies everywhere, and I'm so excited. I'm like a kid. I'm yelling to Jenny, hey, I'm seeing fireflies. She didn't have the heart to tell me for two months. It was angels and fairies just trying to cheer me up. They, they weren't there. And a second time it happened, like a week later, she saw it too. First time it was just meant for me. And so what I've been doing ever since, because whether it's each person teaches me something like a new technique, it, it comes in a new way to blowing sage. I haven't been doing that for more than a year or six months, but um, 
back to the firefly thing. I ask people if I can remember to, what's your favorite color today? And they say pink or purple. There's no such thing as a pink or purple firefly, but an angel or a fairy will make you that purple firefly streak and jaws drop. The more you resist it to, it's foolproof in a sense. Even though fools are so damn ingenious, we all want to stay out of here as much as possible. Think about it. Um, We'd rather be up here thinking, analyzing, judging, separation, the duality thing. Um, But if you can let yourself go for just a half second, and fairies and angels are great at this, even out of the corner of your eye, you'll get a firefly streak. And that helps you to trust that something's going on, that the universe might actually exist in a way that we can grasp. And then it goes on from there. You keep letting go. You look at a photo of an angel, and I've got them on my website. Just look at a photo of an angel, ask for a hug, feel a hug. My only rule in all of this, and this is a good one, my only rule or structure, I mean, pen and paper is nice, but that's not really a rule, is just do a Boy Scout pledge, Girl Scout pledge. And you don't even have to put a hand on your heart. But silently just be like, hey, angels, get me out of my head into my heart. Make this nice. Amen. Rock and roll. Thank you. Om Sairam. However you personally roll, that's going to be the Jeff patented method of setting your intention, owning it, really asking for a little bit of, uh, I don't like the word intervention, but I don't want to interfere with anybody else's life. I've already said way too much, but this is a podcast. It's the point of the exercise. Um, Angels don't want to interfere, but if you ask, you receive. And that's really what this is, that all moments can be the same sort of. Um, You can allow for a little more happiness in the moment. You can get some help. uh, And that's why this direct thing is so hard to fathom. What, how, how can you have a button that you hit that means answers? That means hugs. That means seeing. I read in the, in the comments from time to time, I'll read something like this. I pray and I try to see my angels guides and I never get an answer or I never see them. Why does that happen for people? I'll do it two ways. Eat, pray, love and Winnie the Pooh. So here's Winnie the Pooh. Everyone talks to animals. No one listens. We're not really talking about animals. Everyone outbounds to go full stop or even a little bit of slowing down, just pumping the brakes twice on your thinking, taking a breath, smiling. Those are a couple more of those baby steps. You've got to recognize what thinking is. And that is the first, if it's a two-step dance here, if it's an undergraduate degree and a graduate degree, an angel put it this this way once, you got to have the undergraduate degree before you get the graduate degree. The undergraduate degree is recognizing that there's a difference between thinking whatever you want to call this unconsciousness, um, the brain, there's a million ways everybody describes it, depending on which research group, societal group, organization you're a part of. There's being up here and then there's being down here, awareness, unconditional love, the heart, all those other ways to say, you know, being one with everything, one with the soccer ball. So there's a difference between here and here. And once that is appreciated and sort of, is it grokked? to use that old expression from the sci-fi realm. Um, Once you've got a sense of a difference between here and here, you're kind of ready to get going. Um, To me, all you have to do is be in your heart, ask and listen. It'll sound like Jeff's voice for 20 seconds. The second you calm down about it, you get full on personality. Geronimo coming in full on uh, crazy horse. Uh, So back to what you were saying, eat, pray, love. I have another way to say it. Um, I think they've got in the book a reference to a guy in Italy who kept going to the same water fountain statue in some city in Italy, you know, probably for a year straight. He cried again and again, why am I not winning the lotto? I, 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 
I haven't won the lottery. I want to win. And so every night he would go to the fountain and cry about, hey, I haven't won the lottery yet. And so finally the statue comes alive and says, will you buy a lottery ticket? That's it. I love that moment in the movie. And that's why I love every single type of movie. Old ones, I think they all point in the same direction. These are eternal questions at one level. But as soon as you get out of worrying about the questions and answers or can I do this, and you get to the actual action. It's like us talking about should we mow the lawn? This could go on for three months. I'm not going to mow the lawn. Uh, no way. No way, Jose. But uh, we're talking instead that moment where you're like, ah, it's no big deal. I actually enjoy it. Put in some music. Did it in half the time. Didn't hit the flower bed. So uh, again, back to the level of or the degree of difficulty here, I like to say it's like a light switch on the wall. When you slap that sucker and walk into a room, you're not analyzing it. I'm not worried about two weeks ago, did I brush this molar correctly? Or did I hit that light switch in my bedroom two Tuesdays ago the right way? I just trust I know how to do it. That's what I'm talking about for ownership. You already know how to do all this stuff. You do it and apply yourself to it when it's sports or a video game and you're an ace. Everyone's accusing you of cheating that day because on a first-person shooter game, you did so well. They thought you had to have, I forgot the lingo for this, but it's cooking. It's everything where you, it's reading a book and you got lost in the book. You did 70 pages in an hour, two hours, whatever it is. You sit there, but think about the book the next day. Somebody yelled at you, you're shaky. It's a neighbor was upset at you about something. You try to read one sentence and toss the book. You're like, I'm not into it. The book didn't change at all. There's just a state of flow. And Scrooge at the beginning of the movie or the book was dental floss. He was about one thing, money, himself, whatever you want to call it. Um, we're all like that. It's a pendulum swinging where we go from the head to the heart. So I'm talking heart stuff, and you just have to trust this much, and the universe delivers the rest. All right. You mentioned that you have pictures of angels and fairies and stuff. Can you show us some? Sure, sure. And I've handed the camera to folks uh, as well. So here's joy. She's the emotion joy, a pink ball of light. These are my website as well. And uh, folks will use these as props just to lay their eyes on the angel, ask for a hug, get a hug, ask a question, get an answer. But you can see in your own room in more light energy form, just light on your ceiling before much later, I help a person see full on. Um, here's an angel named Charlotte. These are just going to look like balls of light, but we'll get past balls of light or the concept of orbs uh, in just a second. Here's Charlotte. She's everybody's favorite school teacher from childhood with words meant to help you expand. Um, here's an actual silhouette of an angel. Hmm. And uh, she's the only complicated name out of 130 plus names. It's Minwala. Just call her Min. It's like Minnesota. The word Min is Lakota Sioux for water. Uwala is a Polynesian morning glory. It's like a sweet potato vine underneath with morning glory flowers, so it's sustenance. But Ua and La, I think in Hawaiian, is either rain or sun, sun and rain. Her name's Water Rainbow or Water Morning Glory. Just stick to men. But so she's my guardian angel, but I have her in a bunch of other different ways. The cover of my book, Listening to Angels, it's her and Charlotte as more metallic balls of light with faces in it. Um, and I think if anybody looks at that photo, they'll, they'll agree that it's a whole different ball game for energy. It's It was a daytime shot, metallic. Um, beautiful. You can talk to two angels at once. People can do this again if they own it individually at the same time and hear collectively Audrey Hepburn come in or Geronimo and Angel, you name it. So I really feel like uh, this is a lot to allow for. This is a lot in a way from where I sit in society. But what I love about this is I'm kind of off the hook about having to worry about 
is this credible? Because between the photos, it's a direct experience, all the languages. Um, again, colorblind people, three of them have seen colors. It doesn't mean they're forever fixed, whatever you want to call it with the eyes, but what can you allow for in the moment? And I'll go big picture for one second. If you can, you can be happy now in this moment for no reason at all. And that would be one of the top three messages I'd, I'd tell anybody. Um, good luck believing that. And you and I know we got to pay the bills. I've got this situation. I just broke my leg. I'm in pain. You know, it, it doesn't help to hear that all moments can be the same. You know, if I've got a dentist chair and I'm getting a root canal, it's not the same as being on the beach in Hawaii. Good luck with, but that's the human experience is the contrast, as Esther Hicks would say, the ebb and flow, all the details and everything else. I'm just trying to highlight that there's, Something that happens that I think all the Star Wars movies touch upon that Yoda talks about the force. It's I'm dying to do Yoda's voice, but maybe later Um, it's in you. It's around you, whatever that is. I'll say that love is a constant and maybe the fabric of the universe is love. I'm going awfully positive here, but if it's all a constant, then thinking is what pulls us out of all the enjoyable moments in life. When you hug your kid, there's no way you're thinking about your approach. Like an air, you know, air traffic control tower, the landing of an airplane. You're not worried about how you just give your your 10-year-old son a big hug. You're a dad. You love your son. You're in the moment. So I'm going to make the hypothesis or the argument here that all the good moments in life are when you're in your heart. And you can have more of those simply by slowing down out of thinking. I think we're probably more self-help now. Or something like that. But that's what this is about. And then for some reason, angels, unconditional love figures are much more available for all of us today. And then the full on part is what it is. You just, you're allowing, you've trusted your other senses. Why wouldn't you get the seeing done? Do you have any pictures of fairies or anything else? Yeah. Here's a fairy, uh, ginger, and I'll grab a different shot of her. So it's not just one way. This is in my backyard two houses ago in Northwest Austin. Um, and I have a shot of, if anyone knows downtown Austin, there's a barbecue joint that you would want to go to for just a normal barbecue meal, Stubbs. They have a fantastic amphitheater in the back for concerts and stuff like that. Um, I was there for a concert. I don't remember if it was Two Door Cinema Club or... Uh, the one single alternative band out of France that was super successful, M83. Um, but this is the shot that I took. And someone asked a great question. If everyone had a camera that day, would everyone have gotten the same shot? It wasn't raining. This is going to be just saturated with balls of light. But you can see joy in the middle of the whole thing. This is a concert at Stubbs. And I know I've got a huge glare here with the window. I'm sorry about that. They're the people. But the pink ball of light in the center is joy. And it's not raining. It's not humid. And the answer from angels was, I think it was one third or two thirds. If everyone was in their heart, you're going to get the shot. And I had, I had to show that one because I've probably taken like 8,000, 9,000, 10,000 photos. I've handed the cameras to folks. I feel like the photos are fantastic. They're great. But because you can see directly full on with or without wings, your relatives and so on, it kind of trumps the experience of the photos. The photos are great, though, for an initial step. And let me show one more of a fairy that's just different. And I don't think I've shown this anywhere before on a show. Um, so thanks for the patience here for one second. But um, there's no one way about any of all this. That's what I love about it. It constantly can 
We'll do it a different way. If, if you asked angels for 10 years straight, once a day, 10 different angels, a definition of compassion, you'd get a unique answer every single time. I think it's unlimited, the amount of creativity here. There's a fairy flying sideways, if that can make sense. I know it's going glary here. Mm. There we go. And you can see a head. And that's ginger again. So take it all with a grain of salt. I think it's important to be totally skeptical. If I was listening out there, I'd be like, come on, how could this possibly be, especially the whole conglomeration of this? But I would just mention, hey, allow angels to exist. Let them do their job. What's the worst that happens? You get all your answers privately. I don't see your answers. Um, I do ask for people to share something you know, once in a while so I can hear some flavor. And then I can sometimes react to that and help them hone in, especially business answers or business model stuff. What's the difference between a fairy and an angel? Ooh, great question. Um, I would just say, huh, it doesn't help to say fairies or fairies. Fairies can still answer astrophysicist questions or tough stuff. But to me, their vibe is much more light, light, like Earth-centric. Um, when you go to see them, more like teenagers. And here, here's another for the audience that'll be hard to fathom, but Tinkerbell, her existing. I've got you know 75 plus testimonials from some pretty notable folks, a former spiritual director at Canyon Ranch, a former Miss USA, um, also an Omega Institute staffer who used to book like Deepak Chopra when they have 700 people in for a book signing. In her testimonial, she says, and Tinkerbell was my very favorite in her, in her testimonial. So when I first had a chance to meet Tinkerbell, got a photo of her, it took me six months to allow for the concept that Tinkerbell could somehow exist. It's a lot. Same thing with three Native American chiefs at the beginning of all this, Dull Knife, Red Shirt, and Geronimo. I used historical photos of them. Um, I had older friends. You know, I was probably 42 when this all started. I'm 54 now. Um, my older friends were part of the, the classic Austin music scene. So they're like Woodstock. They're like ready to accept all this. They're just, they're just much more mature laid back adults that could get this and run with it right away. So they're off talking to native American chiefs. And six months later, I'm like, it's the real dull knife red shirt Geronimo. I mean, I'm thick, I'm slow. And so I think uh, what blows me away constantly is just about every person I meet puts me to shame. They're like a duck to water. Just it's going to take a little bit of a setup that you are going to create a little space for yourself to experience it. Because this is a lot when we're on the outside looking in at the experience, we're asking a lot. This is this is a lot to absorb. Do most people, after they have a session with you and you introduce them to their angels or guides or whatever, does something change within them that they don't need you to be a conduit anymore? They just change oh. and now they can do it on their own all the time. Yeah, that's also the beautiful, probably one of the most important messages is just I love this. Is they're not dependent, relying on me for anything. Um, you know, once in a while I get to chat with them again. I'm always happy to do more figures in a new direction, or they just could use and you know, we can all use an outside coach from time to time, even if it's once every five years. But a person really does learn that they have their own unique connection. And I, I again like that in the zone phrase from athletics. You know, we were all either great at athletics or art or music or something where it's our thing could be just a hobby where we've let go and where time goes by fast and we had a great time. It could just be wargaming or it could be growing plants. I, I, I tend a garden and I, I take flower photos. I love doing that. Um, 
But I'm going to argue that the angels have always been with you, unconditional love figures from the get-go. But because they're truly unconditional, you're not going to get any interference. If it's not your time to go and that SUV flips over and you're in the Dutch canal and you're sinking, then you're probably going to get rescued because it wasn't your time. And when the policeman comes along and says, no, 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 I'm the first on the scene. There was no old lady that pulled you out. You hear those stories all the time. Um, also, one thing about the experiences you can have, once you've rolled with this a little, you've tested the waters, you're testing your own plumbing and electricity, you've gotten some hearing done, some smelling, some seeing, some feeling, you get hugs. The hugs can become healing too. Just ask for a hug. Let it, let it kind of grow and a little more love coming in. Um, don't forget, you can kind of, you know, there's the plant medicine people, ayahuasca, if I said it right. You can have an ayahuasca experience without the ayahuasca. There's the near-death experience crowd some fantastic people, but you don't have to die to have uh, that experience with your eyes shut on that one. You can have a very pleasant experience come in. You can also have India come to you if you sit still and you've, you know, now you're a couple hours in, you've met angels, figures from India, Native American chiefs. It's not necessarily India centric either. You're sitting there, eyes shut, sitting with Sai Baba, the one from hundred plus years ago, but you've got angels there. And it's like Hollywood wardrobe. You're wardrobed out better than Elizabeth Taylor and Cleopatra. Um, you sit and there's nine different ways this can go down. You can do a Q&A session. You can just hear stuff like you're at a university class. I tell everyone to avoid just dead silence. I don't think you're going to ever get that. That's just two. What would be the point? Um, but you, you have an interaction. There might be a ceremony for you. But you can see your relatives and they'll be parked far enough back. They won't be a distraction. And Native American chiefs will be there even though it's an India theme. This is a little bit like Westworld without the violence, though, a happy Westworld. So you can go to Tibet and have, or Tibet comes to you, but this is with your eyes shut. It doesn't mean you can't see Chogim Trungpa next to Jesus, next to Mary, next to five angels and Uncle Frank with your eyes open. So when somebody sees an angel or their loved ones or whoever, do they see like an orb flying around in front of them? No, you see full on. Like, pretend I grabbed you. And I put you across the street, but if you're scared, it's 20 houses down. Not scared, but just, you know, tentative. It's sort of like stepping out onto the ice on a lake. You're not going to get me to do that. You're not going to get me in a hot air balloon, skydiving, none of that stuff. Um, but so there's a certain amount of healthy resistance that we're going to naturally just have. But there are tons of folks out there that are like, sleeves are already rolled up. They're ready to go. They've either had enough personal life experiences or close enough friends, or they're just trusting enough about life that they're sort of like, hey, What's next? Every once in a while, I get challenged. This could be an 18-year-old headed off to college that I can't move fast enough for them. They're all smiles. They're like, yeah, I got it. They're not even analyzing it. They're not doing what we're doing, talking about it. They're just like, yeah, I got all my answers. Who's next? What's next? I'm having to come up with stuff because I feel pressure. I'm like literally sweating more. <laughs> so there's people who, I, I, I'm not a big fan of the word grace, but this is a graceful moment. It's the allowing moment. It's unconditional love. It's more just peace, intercom, all the fluffy stuff. But there's people who flow right through it and just look like complete naturals, like an automatic, is it Obi-Wan Kenobi? Like established Jedi, whereas we're all kind of budding Jedi. We're trying. So you're saying that you and whoever you're working with, you'll stand outside and you'll say, hey, look across the street. And then they'll see like an orb flying by or they'll see like something that looks like their relative, like a... Um, yeah, yeah. As part of the baby steps early on, you could see, and I'll skip the word orbs just because I think that's a way of 
classifying all light energy in a certain way that almost relegates it to let's be skeptical about it. So instead, you can just see light energy. You can see angels in light energy form. It could be anything. There's a million ways for joy, that one angel, just to show up. Usually, it's like little flecks of light, like fish breaking the surface of the water, a pink ball light, pink shooting star, endless ways right in your living room on your ceiling where the wall meets the ceiling. Pick a corner where you're comfortable with. Leave your eyes in one spot. Check out. Be in your heart. Let your heart your heart knows what to do. You just have to get out of the brain. That can be a lifetime for some. I'd call that not living. I think there's that movie Peaceful Warrior, a deleted scene. Nick Nolte's in it, walking the gymnast along. And he goes, the shame about it all is some people never start living. And that's kind of what the message is here is you can start living more, have your answers, have your cake, eat it too, no calories, and just smile and breathe more. That's also part of this process is just letting go of what you know, it's all going to come rushing back. Um, and the seeing part, yes, sort of the cherry on the Sunday here to get away from cake analysis. Now we're in Sundays to put the cherry on the top. Yes, you get to full on see, but I mean, full on see like Geronimo, Audrey Hepburn without wings for an angel, then with wings and make sure you do both eyes open. What can you handle? If the person was just skydiving yesterday and the shoot didn't open, they bounced, not a scratch. Every news crew for San Antonio, Austin, and Houston's covering this amazing phenomena. The person's walking around, not even a bone bruise. They're going to be out of thinking for at least four days and not worried about bills. They're going to look at a bird and say, pointy bird. And you, after an hour of this, you won't be able to handle it. They're going to be the most happy, positive, I love life. Yes. Um, that person's ready to get going and see four feet away. They could have a cup of tea with Audrey Hepburn, Archangel Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, sit down. They're just, they're wired to do it. You're not going to have any resistance. Thinking's resistance. Before we started, you mentioned that you have shown angels to people in the media, you know, famous people and people that we probably would all know. You don't have to mention any names, but why do these people, after having the experience, have difficulty wanting to share it openly? I think there can be a reaction to this much love. This, If you're in a place in which you've, lost a loved one, and it's a very personal situation, and you get shown sort of an open door of how much peace, harmony, tranquility there is residing within you. And then you also know the pain you're going through of having a lost a loved one in the last 10 years, in the last year. I think you can get caught up a little bit in that contrast. You can recognize your own thinking and where you're putting your stacks of poker chips at the poker table. I think what we don't realize is how much thinking we're doing all the time. And, and you get a chance in this process to meet your ego, potentially to tame your ego. It's not necessarily the, the gist of all this. That's a separate sort of exercise. But our thinking is not going away. And our thinking is there to help us as best as it can help us. And I'm not going to say thinking's negativity. I'd say it's 1% negativity half the time. It's just not helpful. But we're going to do it. That's welcome to being human. These are, this is just the way humans roll right now. It's not in the cards for us to lose our thinking and just be a naturally happy, more conscientious, less harm-creating, generating, what do we call ourselves, humankind, species, whatever. Um, so I think what happens is sometimes egos come in and just do a total lockdown like it's a federal prison and there's a riot going on. I mean, you've just escaped the prison for a little bit. You saw the outside world. Let's go to Plato. You can meet Plato. You can meet Seneca, Marcus Aurelius. You can meet, there's another one in that, Socrates, the original Socrates. Um, but Plato had that Plato's cave metaphor. And if you want, we'll just switch it a little. I mean, Plato's great at addressing all this. 
Um, I skipped half my Plato reading in college and have been ribbed about that a little bit from above. Um, but it's a little bit like a jail cell. We're all holding onto the bars on the window, looking out, wishing we could be somewhere. We think we haven't arrived at something or where we're at career-wise, relationships, our love of our life, a health situation. We refuse to turn around, and that's just going to the heart, and look at the door. That jail cell door is wide open. It's awfully hard to take the 10 steps to go from here to here, to let go, to allow for any of this. Even if you could get all the help in the world, any answer to any question, and to be able to repeat it on your own in the future, do you think anyone, and you know, in this day and age, across all the different cultures, all the knowing, 7 billion people, there's more knowing going on, more thinking. I'm talking the knowing that precludes possibility. And a lot of knowing, even on the scientific front, wait a week and it's old. It's no longer, you know, new knowing came in that replaced the old knowing. So we're very dependent on thinking. We're very dependent on knowing. And I, you know, I wonder a little bit, you know, where we rank in the history of mankind for sort of being in the heart awareness. I have a feeling we're not at the top. I mean, modern day society, we do a lot of thinking. I do tons of thinking. I'm going to go right back to it. But this is a chance to pop out of what you know. And it can be a scary concept before. When you do it, you're happy. You get your answers. You write, I think the record's 49 pages of answers You know, in nine hours. I just checked in every two hours in Australian. Australians are great at this for some reason. Canadians, pretty good. People from India, fantastic. New Zealand. Um, but I think afterwards, you can kind of realize, holy heck, what the, what just happened? And your thinking comes flooding back in to shut down that little bit of light that came in. Can you give us more tips and what does it mean simply to operate from the heart? Look, mindfulness, that crowd, meditation, that other crowd, they're, they're, they're touching on it. Exercise, anytime you can let go to get out of what you know into your heart, take a breath, stretch, smile. There's a million ways to let go in the moment, it's getting out of thinking and, I mean, read a book, step, do something. And I think Zen and like Buddhist circles really cover this well with those, is it Cohen's? Um, it's not about words. It's beyond words. It's not about structure. So anything I teach, I try to blow up later because it's not about any one way. How do you get to your heart? That's why I like dad jokes because you just, they're corny. If you can laugh, you know you're in your heart. I think what we don't realize is we're in our heart more often than we realize on a daily basis, but we don't actually give ourselves credit for any of that. If you fell asleep at night and had a normal night's sleep, you weren't awake all night or snoring all night, getting disrupted sleep, you actually got some good sleep. That's an incredible amount of letting go. That is it. That surpasses the amount of letting go required to meet angels. And so same thing with the light switch, taking a hot shower. I love that Wayne Dyer expression, again, to kind of quote him. You can't have a hot shower that you enjoyed and be angry at the same time. So there's sort of a light switch that's you, your brain, when your lights are off. I'm going to argue that your lights are off when you're up in the brain. And when the light, it's upside down. When you flip your switch and you're in your heart, that's when you get the art done. You're an artist. You can do the painting in half the time. And it's beautiful. Or you had a great time with your neighbor or watched the sporting event in person or on TV. You had a fantastic time. You read the book. You cooked your meal. You went running instead of the usual two miles. You went, did five and sailed through it. No effort, no problem. But I think as a runner for 40 years, I know those days where I'm suddenly walking after mile three and it might as well be a death march in the Sahara. So there's something going on up here. There's something here. I'm talking about letting go of what you know long enough to give yourself credit to breathe in life, joy, harmony, peace, faith, love, whatever you want to call that stuff. The Disney stuff here 
whatever's opposite of Disney, Lord of the Rings, the lightning bolts and mortar up here. I mentioned in the beginning that you're an author and your book is called Listening to Angels. Can you tell us briefly a little bit about it and where can we get it? Sure. Now, if anyone thinks I wrote that book, my name's on it. It's Listening to Angels at Amazon, amazon.com forward slash author forward slash angels. So instead of James Patterson or my name, I actually landed angels thanks to an angel suggesting that. So amazon.com forward slash author forward slash angels, but angels wrote the book. It's a 15 minute read, one page forward, one page intro, five pages, how to seven photos of angels, little introduction for each of them. I think the appendix is the best part. Michael, Archangel Michael weighs in on why angels so much now, why this much more availability and some other stuff. And then the uh, epilogue is by an angel named Dale, who coached a very famous gymnast who won a bunch of gold medals. And he's the one that did that undergraduate degree, graduate degree metaphor that is eloquently put in his epilogue. Um, I wish I could take credit for any of this stuff. If I've sounded sharp, it's by mistake. And um, a lot of what I say is, is after 12 years, 11 years of doing this stuff that I've been managed to remember from angels. So angels wrote the book. If anyone wrote, thinks I wrote the book, um, I totally appreciate it, but it's super short and sweet. And that's a great way. I think it's four ninety nine. It's a great way for a person to get in get out and not be dependent on any one teacher out there. All right. What are some ways that people can find out more about you and connect with you? My website pretty much has everything. So it's name, not literally. So it's Michael Andre, like the champagne, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, Michael Andre Ford, like the car or truck, michaelandreford.com. Before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Everyone can be happy more in the present moment for no reason whatsoever. Now, if you react to that, you get to spot your own thinking. And it doesn't mean you're going to be happy all the time. And this is a fluffy Disney fairy tale sort of ending, but it is a little bit of a challenge. It challenges our senses. Uh, It's something that I think the meditation mindfulness group is trying to talk about. You're just connecting more to whatever you want to call the great flow in you and around you. So my big message is one, you're not alone. If you wanted just to do what we talked about with the lottery ticket analogy or metaphor, that, that fountain in Italy, if you want to just do one way communication, do it. Um, you're heard. So don't try to meet angels. Don't try to listen for your answers. But you have to do a little more trusting when you outbound one way. Trust that you're not only heard, but it's coming back to you. That you're going to create that space to allow for the boomerang effect for the universe to do its job. So there you go right there. Don't meet a single angel. Totally con- you know, counterintuitive here. But I do like that one other Winnie the Pooh quote, Piglet and Winnie the Pooh. I think it's Piglet that asks Pooh the following question, how do you spell love? And Winnie the Pooh's got this one nailed perfectly. You don't spell it, you feel it. And in a way, that's what this is all about is you can't analyze this to death. And I know that's what we all are gonna wanna do because how is it possible? But you have to jump in the pool. And that's where the rub is. If it's a pool and it's a cocktail party and you're supposed to bring your bathing suit, I'm the type that an hour, two hours later, I might be up to my ankle. I'll inch my way in. Tons of people cannonball right in. And that's what I love about humanity. There's tons of folks who are like, no, 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 I got this. I've had enough life experience. I'm a mature adult with my arms out. I own my territory and I'm a big enough inner fearless, peaceful warrior to allow for me just to 
get in that pool and start swimming. And you're like Michael Phelps. I don't think people appreciate that they're Michael Phelps. And this is a metaphor. You're not Michael Phelps, but you're Michael Phelps in an Olympic pool. You just have to realize that the pool is here and you already know how to do all the strokes. This is like pulling the veil off of your eyes rather than a veil that we think it's some magnificent whatever. You're just waking up a little bit, but you're going to go right back to forgetting. So sorry about that, folks. That's the thinking part. Michael, thank you for that message. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Jeff, for having me on. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.